Amen. Is is be consistent and just give it all we got every time we come together. Amen. And and we give it our best shot. Amen. We don't hold back. Uh, and oftentimes, amen, in situations even like tonight, I am reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul to uh, his son Timothy, his son of the faith, Timothy, when he said, stir up the gift that is in thee. Stir it up, Timothy. There's going to be times when uh, you can't rely on somebody else to come and kind of fan the flames in, in your prayer life, but you've got to just get that that big whisk or that big spoon and just begin to stir some things up in your spirit. And however it is that you do that, amen, it might be you, uh, your mind goes back to the time when you first came to the Lord. It might be that the, your, your mind goes back to uh, the last thing that God spoke to you. And you begin to kind of rekindle that, that memory and that flame. And you begin to uh, meditate upon the word that God gave you. And you think back to what it was like when you came to God. And you think back to all the good times. And you begin to worship God. Amen. I was here. Uh, I make it a point to come several hours before church ever starts. Sundays and Wednesdays and pray. And I'll tell you when I first got here I felt dry. Just walking back and forth talking to the Lord. And I didn't have music. Usually I like to have music going. But I just. So I'm just going to talk to the Lord. And at first it felt. It was kind of hard to really press in. But as. As I began to just keep praying, I would just say focus in my mind upon the Lord. And I just kept talking to God. Amen. And I began to stir up the Holy Ghost and allow God to move in my own walk with him. Amen. It wasn't long before you could feel the presence of God here. But we have to be the ones to actively engage and to stir it up in our spirits. Amen. You say, you know, what? everybody else is quiet. You know what? I'm going to lift up my voice. I'm going to lift up my hands. And I'm going to worship the Lord with all of my heart. And and that's what we have to do. Amen. Uh, to get through so many times. Just to push in prayer. To stir things up. Amen. Uh, if you've ever had the privilege of helping your mother or grandmother bake cookies. Uh, and you get that, that big wooden spoon. You begin to. First put it in that cookie dough or whatever it is. You begin to stir it. You know, all that flour. Brother Walmer's talking about recipes of the last few weeks and how you're mixing stuff up. Uh, you first start it and you put that wood spoon in the middle. It's kind of hard to move it. But once you kind of get a little bit of uh, momentum going and you begin to keep moving that thing, it becomes a little bit easier. And sometimes it's just hard getting started. But if you don't give up and you keep pushing... And you just you be consistent. Amen. God will help us to accomplish great things. And the last several weeks we've talked about uh, the church, the church of the living God uh, and the different implications and uh, different things that go into making up the church and what the church is and what the church should be, uh, what the church should be uh, involved in doing and busied with. And we talked several weeks in in, in a uh, in depth about the church. And today we're going to be moving on to a new topic and talking about the infallible word of God. And there's going to be things maybe you hear tonight, but uh, you begin to store it again in your mind. You begin to stir it up. You begin to remember those scriptures and God will help this church to continue to have a firm footing, a firm foundation in the word of God. Um, just some few 
comments I want to make as we're talking about the Word of God. Uh, there have been people that no doubt have said the Ten Commandments uh, may seem narrow. It's uh, very restrictive. And there's a lot you cannot do according to the Ten Commandments. And the ten, while the Ten Commandments may seem narrow, uh, so does every runway on an airport around the world. Uh, yet no passenger, neither you nor I or, nor any other passenger that's traveled the world, wants his pilot, his pilot to miss that narrow runway and to land a few yards off the mark in some field or waterway. We see that that landing strip and we looking down from that window at 30,000 or 15,000 feet, whatever it is, you can begin to see down at the ground and you see that runway and you say, you know, what? that's a narrow runway. Why can't we just land anywhere? There's a specific path that 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 airplane has to land upon. And none of us look at that runway and say, well, you know, what? Uh, I don't think it matters if the pilot lands and makes it right down that line. He could just kind of, you know, go to the side. I'm sure it's going to be fine. Uh, however he does it. But every one of us, as we look at that that uh, landing strip, we're, we're, we're focusing on that landing where if you're nervous, you, you shut the window and you close your eyes and you try not to think about it and just brace yourself. But if you're the inquisitive type and the curious type, you're looking and you're seeing how are we going to land it? Is there going to be that perfect uh, lineup uh, on that runway that the pilot has uh, in front of him? Or is it gonna, are we going to get off? And no doubt, maybe you probably... Uh, have the opportunity to look at uh, crazy landings that you've maybe seen on a YouTube clip or whatnot, and you see that uh, that pilot trying to navigate that airplane in windy conditions or adverse situations, and they're they're going sideways and they're going up and down, and they're trying to get it to that perfect spot, that sweet spot where they can hit the ground and they can land that plane with no casualties. And that is the intent to make that narrow runway, that narrow landing strip and that narrow ribbon of pavement, even in an airport, is really the broad way that leads to a safe and comfortable landing. Sometimes it's the narrow thing, the the narrow things that we think restrict us that actually give us the liberty to uh, to proceed with speed, such as a train on tracks. And that that runway, uh, that landing strip for the airplane, it helps that plane to get all those passengers to a place of safety and comfortability. And as we're talking about the word of God tonight, if we are to move off the pages of this this beautiful Bible, this this beautiful word of God, if we are to move off the pages of scripture and to, to do so is to enter into the wasteland of our own subjectivity. People that say, well, that word is, that may be true for you, but not for me. And they enter into the wasteland of their own subjectivity. And anytime you, you remove yourself from that foundational, uh, that foundational word of God, and you enter into your own wasteland of subjectivity, there's going to be many things that pop up into your life. And you think, well, that sounds good. Yeah, that kind of, I could understand how that might be the case. But if it goes against the word of God, Amen. If it goes against the word of God, amen, it is you are in great error in great uh, areas of danger. And the teaching and the preaching that is brought across this pulpit is not the unfolding of a man or a woman's convictions. Amen. The teaching, the preaching that goes forth across this pulpit week in and week out. 
Amen. It's not a, a, a preacher's personal convictions. Amen. But it is rather the informing to the, uh, to the people of all that God has spoken and is speaking to this church. Amen. The word that comes from these pages and these scriptures. Amen. It's not my own convictions, but it is the word that God has given us. And I have found myself, maybe you have found yourself praying, God, speak to me. How many have ever prayed that prayer? God, speak to me. I want a word from the Lord. I want God to talk to me. And, and, and then we don't even pick up the Bible. And God say, well, I wrote you a letter. And you've you got to pick it up and read it. And you might get a word from me. There's going to be times when a man of God steps behind the pulpit and gives you a, a, a word from the Lord. But you have to always make sure that that word lines up with this word. You say, well, I saw a televangelist preaching. He told me X, Y, and Z. If I put my hand on the screen, great things are going to happen if I sent in my money. But if it didn't line up with the word of God, you wasted your money. If it didn't line up with the word of God, you're in big trouble. And we have to make sure that this church and us, our families, are living lives and have the right doctrine that is based upon the word of God. Yeah. That's not based upon how I feel or what I think. But you know what? What does the word of God say for my life? Yes. What is the word of God speaking? And what has it spoken to my life? And have I, have I conformed and have I adjusted my life to fit the, the, uh, that narrow runway of the word of God? Have I made course corrections to make sure that I'm landing on that narrow runway of the Ten Commandments or the Word of God? Because if you're not landing on that that landing strip or that narrow runway that is the Word of God, you're going to get off into some some craziness. One particular uh, writer that I, in my studies, he said, reading, in this case, reading the Word of God, sweeps the cobwebs of our mind away. You say, well, I already, I already read the Bible one time. I read it when I was a kid. I read it last year. But you know what? You can say the same thing about the, these, new, uh, these new folding walls we got. We just got a few weeks ago. And I was here in prayer, and I saw some cobwebs starting up. You know what? If, if we don't stay on top of that, they'll be filled with cobs of cobwebs. We just bought them. But it, time will take its course. And if you say, well, I, I read the Bible last week, and you know what, uh, that, that's, that should hold me for a while. The cobwebs begin to, they begin to build up, and reading the Word of God sweeps the cobwebs away. And reading the Word of God increases our power of concentration. And it, reading in general, I'm going to say it like that, reading in general makes us more interesting to be around. Reading in general makes a person more interesting to be around. Because the person that's well read says, well, you haven't read this book. And they begin to tell you, you know what, this, this different philosopher, this theologian said it like this. And, oh, that's very interesting. And you begin to learn things. And, and, and you, you talk to someone that's going to college. And they're going to begin to talk to you about the things that learning, they learn in college. When I was in driver's ed years ago. I informed my dad of all the things that I knew about driving. And he was getting reversed. And, and I'll be reversed when my little one starts to drive some, some in, in years uh, down the road. But you know what? People that have been reading, people that have been studying, they're able to give back to you. They're able to deposit something back into your life, into your spirit. Uh, if you look at 
I, and I remember even in my own personal career, uh, one of the individuals that was high up on, uh, high up the ladder in my, in the, in the corporate world, in the, in, in, at headquarters, uh, I was friends with his nephew that lived with him for a time, and he said, you know what, my uncle, who was the VP of, you know, of the, of the organization at the time, he's always reading books. He's given me books. He's telling me to read books, and I was thinking that's probably why he's where he is because he's constantly trying to read and develop. And if we want to go places in God and we want to be a church that has an understand the word of God, it's not going to be because we we buy a Bible and then we leave it in the on the coffee table or we we buy a Bible and we leave it uh, in our in our bedroom at night. But it's going to be because we get a Bible and we read it and we 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 Amen. devour its pages and we yeah. eat it up and and it gets in our hearts. Amen. And, and then when you're talking to somebody on the street or at your job and they say something about the things of God, you're saying, well, you know, the scripture says it like this. Because you've been having that word of God, uh, you've been breaking the bread of life and that reading the word of God, it strengthens our ability to glean Truth from God's word. Reading the word of God gives you the ability to say, you know what? Uh, I'm reading the scripture here, but I remember another scripture. You begin to flip back and you begin to say, oh, that's what God was saying. That's what God, how God wants me to live my life. That's something there that is pleasing before the Lord. And there's a scripture that shows us the importance of reading and specifically reading the Bible, reading the scriptures. And it's found in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13. Uh, Sister Gina, if you want to get that, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13. This is the Apostle Paul saying, The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. The Apostle Paul, sitting in prison, said, I've got to stay busy. I've got to keep my mind in the word of God. I've got to read the Bible. I've got to continue to develop so I don't rot away in this dungeon. And you might say, you know, I feel like I'm in a dungeon. I feel like I'm in this rut and, you, and I'm just going to sit here and rot. But if you if you have the, the mind of Christ, if you want to be a little bit more like the Apostle Paul, and that would be a good role model for us to have. It is, you know, in my time of crisis, I'm going to get the word of God out and I'm going to read it. And I'm going to say, God, you, you've got to give me some understanding, God, to, to help me to go through my trials, God. I'm going to stand upon the word of God. I'm going to stand upon the word of God. I remember uh, uh, watching a, a video on, on YouTube again. Uh, it's how you can find all the old Magruder stuff. And there was a video of Sister of the Magruders. It's a singing, Pentecostal singing group that they sing at General Conference some years ago. And Sister Priscilla Magruder had developed breast cancer and it was uh, sucking the life out of her. And she was in a in a devastating place and she looking back she was actually at death's door and she was at a point in her life when she was distraught it was in the middle of the night and she didn't know what was going on and she was questioning why is god allowing these things to happen to me and why am i dealing with cancer and her husband was a preacher and they were singing and they had they had brought the gospel throughout the world and they had done a great thing for god but in the middle of the night amen uh, as the story goes brother carol magruder came out to where his wife was and his wife was had the Bible on the ground. 
And she was standing, amen, took her shoes off, was standing on the Bible and was crying out to God saying, God, I'm standing upon your word, God. I need a miracle. And there are times in your life when you can stand upon the word of God. And that word of God will be there to sustain you when you're going through hell, when you're going through your darkest night, amen, and you have questions and you say, God, show me something from your word. Let this word sustain me. Let it be the thing that keeps me going. When I don't know what's happening in my life. That word of God will be there to sustain you and I. This Bible should not be a furniture piece in our homes. This Bible should not be something that uh, is, is constantly left at church. It should be something that we take with us. And we, we, we know where our Bible is in. And we've got several and we, we're reading our Bible. We're staying actively engaged and involved in the word of God. Reading, even in general, reading brings us from darkness into light. These are just general statements. Reading brings a person from darkness into light. Previously, before reading, you didn't understand how the world worked. But you begin to pick up a a, a book. You begin to pick up a textbook and you begin to read and you begin to find out how the stars work and you begin to find out how how geology works and and how the different layers and sediments. And you begin to understand that there's a there's a core at the middle of the earth and the earth is round and and the light bulb begins to turn on. You begin to understand a little bit more. But when you begin to read the word of God. Amen. It's not just understanding uh, sedimentary layers of the earth's crust. But now you begin to understand the layers of your your own heart. And you begin to understand that God sees every layer of your life. God sees. God can read your mind. And God knows the thoughts and the intents of your mind and your heart. And you begin to understand that this word, amen, it will bring light to my life. And when I don't know what's going on and I don't understand all of the situations and the problems, this word is the thing that will shed light in my path. And it will take you from ignorance into knowledge. It will take you from imprisonment to freedom. It will reading will take you from imprisonment to freedom. Years ago, and I, I was remembering this as I was studying, there was a man by the by the name of Martin Luther, who was a Roman Catholic. If I if my memory and my history serves me correct, Martin Luther was a Roman cat was a Catholic, and he was doing all of the different things that needed to be done as a as a good Catholic. And Martin Luther, uh, according to history, read that scripture in the book of Romans. That said the just shall live by faith. And he said wait a minute. I didn't have access to the scriptures before. I trusted the priest to do all of that for me. But now that I'm reading. Now that I'm seeing the word of God. And I'm reading the scripture. And it says the just shall live by faith. What does that mean? And all of a sudden things begin to happen in Martin Luther's mind. And he began to realize. You mean I ain't got to pay for all the all of my sins with my money? I ain't got to do all of these things in penance? And I ain't got to go through a purgatory? You mean I can, I can trust in God? And God can make a way? And it begins to revolutionize the world. Amen. Just one small scripture. The just shall live by faith. And we've got the entire word of God at our disposal. And we've read Acts 2 and 38. It says, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That scripture has revolutionized, has changed our world and how we conduct ourselves and how we approach 
and how we understand salvation, having a, one scripture. Having one scripture. C.H. Spurgeon said it like this, the man who never reads will never be read. He who never quotes will never be quoted. He who will not use thoughts of, an, of other men's brains proves he has no brain of his own. This is C.H. Spurgeon. A little bit rough. But I think back then they didn't care about being politically correct and being PC. They just said, you know what, this is how it is. And I think it would do us some good to just go back to some, some things that have been said. And, and C.H. Spurgeon continues, said, Brethren, what is true of ministers is true of all people. You need to read. And specifically the Word of God. We've got to be people that get the Word of God out and we read it daily. And we say, God, I don't want to just read my one chapter a day because the preacher, the pastor says I need to read. But help me to read God to understand. Help me to read God to, uh, to really get a hold of some understanding. Uh, Bishop Larry Booker said, he has advice to all newcomers, is you take the first year of your walk with God and you read this Bible as fast as you can. These are interesting, interesting things. He said, read this Bible as fast as you can your first year. Don't stop. If you have questions, just keep reading. Just gain a, a certain level of familiarity with the, the Bible and understand the Word of God. Then come back again and read it again, but read it slower the second time. And it's interesting to hear what people say about how reading the Word of God, uh, it, it, because in the, in, the first, in the first sense of coming to God, the Bible says, now faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There's a certain level of faith that you've got to get on the inside and you begin to stir it up. Amen. So when God begins to speak to you, you can respond in faith. And if you've been just if you if you just start out with just reading the scriptures and you begin to get a familiarity and, and the word of God begins to come out and speak to you. Amen. Faith begins to be built up on the inside and, and you can begin to come to a scripture. Amen. That says all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Amen. You can begin to step out in faith because you're reading the word of God and God says I got the power and you got the name of Jesus on your life and, and suddenly your mind begins to connect to God and say wait he, Jesus said that and, and now I got Jesus on the inside. That must mean that I've got the, the things that I need. I've got all the tools at my disposal. I've got the tools at my disposal. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. The Word of God. Is the mode of God's being in which he goes forth from himself to meet man. The word of God, the Bible, amen, the, the scriptures that we hold in our hands is God's means, amen, of, of expressing himself is God's means uh, of revealing himself to you and I. So you say, I want to know the Lord a little bit better. Read his word. It is God's expression of himself. It is God going forth from himself to meet you. The very being of God, amen, is at once and forever self-expressing, making the divine invisible self-visible in an ongoing manner or in an eternal continuum. Amen. The very being of God is forever revealing itself to you and I and is trying to make the invisible things visible. And that is going back to the last several weeks of teaching. The church is to make visible the invisible God. 
The church is to be that visible representation of the invisible God. But how do we how do we properly resemble him if we haven't read his word? Hosea 4 and 8 said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. There's going to be people even in this room tonight, probably, that the devil comes against you. And and maybe whispers things into your mind. Lies against you, lies against me, lies against somebody else in the church. And you've got to go back. You've got to know that word of God and, and begin to quote some scriptures. You've got to know how to quote some scriptures. You and I. I didn't say just even read the Bible. There's got to be a certain level of you know his word and you can quote scripture. When Jesus was on the Mount of Temptation and the devil came at him. I don't think Jesus was was calling down the mountain. Hey, my 12 disciples, can you bring me uh, the word? Can you bring me the parchments? Bring me bring me the scrolls. I need to be able to get a word back for for the devil here because he's tempting me. The Jesus himself began to quote scripture. Amen. For it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And, and he began to quote, he began to, he began to fight back yes. with the scriptures. But if, if, if Jesus, if some, if you and I, amen, have a lack of knowledge, have a lack of understanding the word of God when the devil comes against you, yes. you're going to be caught flat-footed. And he's going to have you. Moving forward in, in the lesson tonight, amen, there are many benefits, just to name a few, amen, that we get from the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, Sister Gina, 2, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 through 17. We should probably be able to quote this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly finished unto all good works. That Go back to the previous scripture. We're going to talk about that for a few moments. The scripture, the word of God, all scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine. Without doctrine, without it, we have no foundation upon which to stand. We cannot be a church that rarely uses the Bible. We can never be a church that rarely refers to the scripture. We can never be a church, amen, that that occasionally references or uh, looks at the Bible. We've got to be a church that is based upon the word of God. We've got to have that doctrine that comes from the word of God. And the scripture is is for doctrine. It's for reproof. Studying this out a little bit. Reproof is a means of admonishing, showing a fault or rebuking. The word of God is used to. Give rebuke sometimes. The word of God is used as as a means of admonishing and saying, hey, you know what? Uh, You're lacking here. You need to do this. And it's not so we can uh, respond with attitude or respond with uh, a little bad spirit. But it's so we can say, you know what? That's the word of God. It's for my life. It's going to reprove me at times. It's going to give me proper understanding. And it's going to also be there to correct me. Correction, restoring things to their proper use. That's an interesting definition. Correction. Restoring things to their proper use. If you have a car and you are the crazy kind of person that just 
flies over speed bumps, thinks, what's the big deal? You're going to find that your car is going to go out of alignment. And it's going to begin to wear the tires wrong. It's going to, it's going to begin to kind of mess up the way that you drive and probably lose a little bit of gas mileage. And, and you take it in to be realigned, and they're correcting it. They're, they're, uh, they're restoring it to its proper use. They're restoring it to its proper uh, perspective, to its proper uh, design. And God's word will correct us. It will say, you know what, you're, you're doing something that you're out of alignment. You're doing something that's out of the will of God. And if you allow the word of God to get in your heart, it's good to bring you to that perfect design again. Right. Right. When a lot of people start out living for God and they're, they're new converts and they're on fire for God. And they're there every prayer meeting and they're there uh, every service and they're there early for prayer. And, and they're, they're doing all the things and they're witnessing and, and they're on fire for God and they're loving everybody. And then uh, you find a few years down the road, if they're not careful, they begin to show up late for church and they miss prayer whenever they want to. And, and they don't pay their tithes on time. And, and, and all of these things begin to creep up. And if you allow the word of God to work in your life, it will begin to bring it back, bring your life back into perfect design. You say, okay, God, I know I might not be doing the right things as much as I used to. The car is still going down the road, but it's out of alignment. It's not the way you designed it to be. And if, if the word of God can work in my life, it will restore me to my perfect design, the way that God intended me to be. That's what the word of God can do for our lives. You see, I don't, li- I don't like a, that mechanic getting down there and working on my life. Bringing things back into alignment. Corrects matters arising in people. Instruction in righteousness is the other item listed here in 2 Timothy. The word of God is for doctrine, reproof, correction, and for instruction in righteousness. It is perfecting or maturing a man or a woman and showing him how to live. Instructing him in righteousness. Helping you to be a better Christian, a better child of God. I haven't uh, worked construction. I can imagine, as I've heard some stories, you start out as an apprentice. An apprentice, as an apprentice, you've got to have a teachable spirit. You've got to be able to listen and say, okay, uh, I might be doing this the right way. Uh, I might be doing this an okay way, but it might not be the best way. I might be doing it, uh, I might get the job accomplished, but it's going to take me three times as long. But if I listen to, to that, uh, that general contractor, if I listen to that, that professional tradesman give me some sound advice, some sound counsel, I can be a better painter, a better welder, a better electrician, a better plumber, and I can be able to get more jobs done faster and more efficiently. And that's what the Word of God is. It's, it's, it's doctrine, it's reproof, it's correction, but it's also instruction and righteousness. You say, well, I, I think I'm okay. But you know what? Can you allow the, the Word of God to give you some instruction tonight? Can you allow the Word of God to, to help to perfect you, to help to mature you in Christ? Is there anything wrong with being better in Him? There's nothing wrong with it. We approach our jobs and we say, you know what? I want to be better. I want to learn. Uh, you talk to your boss. You say, you know what, boss? Can you teach me how, how I need to be an executive or how I need to be a, a foreman or how I need to do whatever? And I want, I, want to, I want to be better. I want to make more money. I want to better myself. The Word of God is there to instruct us. Instruct us. You can be a better Christian. I'm a good Christian already. You can be a better Christian. I pray already. You can pray a little bit better. 
God's word can help you to to have a little bit better perspective, a little bit better attitude, a better uh, outlook on life. The word of God will help you to defeat the devil, to defeat the enemy. We talked about on Matthew, Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11, Jesus on the Mount of Temptation. He used the word of God to combat the enemy, the lies that are told against you. And maybe it comes to you, and I've seen this, it comes to you in... And you're full of fear and you're full of worry and, and you're, you're downcast, you're downtrodden and, and the devil's whispering things into your mind. And you say, you know what? God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. This is not of God. I rebuke this in Jesus name. And you can begin to quote scripture and begin to fight the devil. And the devil says, look at you, you're depressed again. And you're, you're down again and you're oppressed. And you begin to quote scripture. Amen. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. God, cover my mind right now. Yes. The devil's lying to me. The devil's, he's cheating on me. The devil's, he's, he's deceiving me. God, help me to win the battle. Help me to fight back in prayer. I was a kid once, and I was, for many a nights, I was scared. I was, uh, when I was, we were younger, we lived in Stockton for a year and a half, and we, I've told this story before, but we had a baby, we had a neighbor that was, that would babysit me and my brothers uh, while my parents were at work, and we were, we'd go to the babysitter's house across the street, and my parents didn't know this, we were too young to, I don't know, uh, know any better uh, but that babysitter would show us all of the horror movies that were out at the time so from a I think I was probably uh, five or six years old and was had already watched uh, Chucky's Bride, Killer Clowns Arachnophobia uh, Dolls you name it, all of those horrible movies and so for the next several years of my life growing up I was I was afraid of everything. I was so afraid of the dark. I wouldn't go into any rooms by myself. If I was, I wouldn't dare come to church at night by myself, because the devil, you know, he comes against it. And, I, and all these things, and I would be in my room at night, and this train that you see here across the train tracks across the street uh, from my parents' house down the down the road, you could hear the train at night, and there would be more trains going here back in the day, and they'd make that screeching sound at night, and my bed was right by the window. And I, I, something about it just scared me. And the only way I got, well, there was several ways I got through uh, those years of my life. But I committed to memory, to, to memorizing Psalms chapter 91. And I would uh, be afraid at night, hear the train, and I'd be in the dark. And if my parents said, go to the back room and get something, I'm like, no, 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 you go back, you go get them. Come with me. Uh, but I would quote Psalms 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. And I begin to quote that until I was tongue-tied. I would quote it nonstop. And I would sing. I would sing songs. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And I would try to sing songs that had as much mentions of the name of Jesus as possible. <laughs> Think of the devil would flee. And I was trying to survive. But I made it. I, was, I, would, I would quote scripture. And that gave me comfort. I couldn't always go to my mom and say, Mom, I'm scared. Mom, let me sleep with you. You know, you reach a certain point, you got to learn to fight some battles by your own self. You reach a certain point, you, you can't just uh, call the pastor. You know what? Learn to fight some battles. Yeah. Learn, learn, to, learn how to win some battles. 
and, and you, 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 get to, you begin to find out that the word of God will be that comforter. Yes. That word of God will be that thing that helps to sustain you. That gives you peace of mind when the devil's playing tricks on your mind and you're wondering what's going on. And the word of God, you go back to the word of God and say, God, your word says it like this. And there were other times in my life growing up when I went off to work at KFC and there were some other Trinitarians at my job. And they, they seemed like they were good people. And no doubt they were just good people. Fine people. Upstanding people. Good morals. But you begin to talk about scriptures and they, they begin to talk about how there's three gods. And I begin, oh, in my life I heard there's one God. And I grew up and, and there was a time in my life, maybe everybody experiences this, where you're, you're beginning to question. You're not sure. What, what do I believe? And you begin to go back. What does the word of God say? The Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And Isaiah says, I am the Lord and there is none else beside me. And you begin to find scriptures and, and you begin to get some peace of mind. And, and you find that the word of God is there for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and for instruction in righteousness. And if you and I will let the word of God work in our lives, in your own life individually, point to yourself for a minute. Say my life, your life, my life. Psalms chapter 19 and verse number seven. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. It will bring conversion to your life. The word of God will bring change to your life. There are so many scriptures we can, we may fire them off for a few moments here. But Proverbs chapter 6 and 22 says, When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. The word of God wants to ever be with you. Wants to be in your, it's got to be in your mind and in your heart. Psalms 119 and 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. You've got to understand what the word of God can do in your life. And you've got to make sure, you know what? I'm handling the word of God correctly. I'm not misinterpreting the scriptures. I'm not finding one scripture that I'm isolated by itself and making a doctrine out of it. But I'm flipping back. I'm saying, does this scripture line up with here? And how does this make sense with that one? And going back and forth and figuring out, okay, I've got a path forward. Yes. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, handling the word of God deceitfully. I don't want to be one that hand, handles the word of God deceitfully and tries to force this to fit my own lifestyle. Right. Mm-hmm. There's people even in the homosexual community that they, they'll find scripture in the Bible to, to fit their lifestyle. They'll say, well, you know what? Uh, Jonathan and David were homosexuals. The, the Bible says, that, and, and they'll begin to, Pull scriptures out and twist it. Handling the word of God deceitfully. Second Peter chapter 1 and 20 through 21 talks about no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. These are things that we know about already. No one's going to have their own uh, private hold uh, of revelation on the scripture. Otherwise you begin to find yourself a Jim Jones and a David Koresh and these guys that... Uh, lead people astray because they've got a revelation and you got to drink the Kool-Aid, if you will. And you find yourself in a world of hurt and a room full of dead bodies when it's all said and done. You've got to make sure that what you're hearing, what you're seeing, and everything in your life lines up with this Bible. And there's going to be things that we cover in the, in the ensuing weeks that you say, well, man, I didn't believe that before, but yeah, it's there. The Bible says, yeah, I got to do this. So I'm going to make some adjustments. 
I'm going to make some changes in my life. The Word of God is a book that will produce things in our lives if we let it. One of my, one of my favorite scriptures is Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Say that again. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate to do all that is there in day and night, for then shalt thou have good success, and thou shalt make thy way prosperous. This word will bring about a certain level of success if you're living your life according to the scriptures. You say, well, how does that look? And you begin to read the scriptures and say, how do I become successful? And you find yourself in the book of Psalms and it says, consider the ant, thou slugger. Consider the ant, you lazy bum. He's working all the time. He's preparing, uh, he's preparing uh, his harvest in, in the time of plenty for, for when the famine comes. Yeah. Consider the ant, he's up early, he's working. You say, well, I guess I need to be a little bit more hard worker. Yeah, that'll help to be, bring some success in your life. Get up. Get busy. Work. Times are good. Save. Save for the bad times. They're going to come. That's in the Word of God. That's some basic stuff in the Word of God. Well, I just got paid. I'm going to go. I'm going to go down and spend it at the steakhouse. And I, I don't care what happens in two weeks. And then two weeks come later. I'm out of gas. I, I can't come to church. Uh, you know, I, I'm low on funds, and we knew it was going to happen. We're all, we've all been guilty of that from time to time. But the word of God, if we let it work in our lives, it'll produce things. Romans 10 and 17 says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So the word of God will produce faith. You say, well, I, I don't have, I feel like I'm losing my faith in God. You haven't been reading scripture probably. Because this word will produce faith. You say, well, I feel like I don't, I'm just ignorant. I don't know a lot of stuff. I'm wet behind the ears, as they say. Romans 15 and 4 says uh, that the things that were in the foretime were, were written for our learning. There is some understanding, there's some learning that you're going to get when you dive into the Word of God. And there's no reason we should be ignorant. And the other thing that uh, we, we find in scriptures, in 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 9 through 10. Actually, can you pull it up, Sister Gina? 2 Chronicles not 17. 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 9 through 10. This is something very interesting. It talks about a time in Israel where it says, And they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. And they went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah, so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. So Jehoshaphat, made it a point when he was king, we're going to get this, the law of the Lord and we're going to teach it throughout all the land. We're going to teach Bible says they're all the That's what he said basically. We're going, to, we're going to get the Bible and we're going to put this, we're going to put a Bible in every house in this city. We're going to make sure everybody in this city is taught the word of God. That's what Jehoshaphat did. And what did it bring about? Peace. It brought Peace. You say, well, I feel like there's a lot of friction in my home, a lot of friction in my marriage. Get the word of God out and begin to just read that, quote it, sing it, pray it, however you want to do it. But get that word of God out. Read it as a family. Whatever you got to do, just get that word out and apply it to your life. It will bring peace. 
it will bring peace to your life. And uh, the last few things I want to say that there are uh, different forms of the word of God. The, one of which is the word of God as a form of water. It is for the continual cleansing and purification of our minds. Ephesians 5 and 26 says regarding the church that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word of God, by the word. It is a cleansing agent for your mind. It's a cleansing agent for your mind. If you're struggling with mental illness, emotional uh, deficiency, whatever it is, get that word of God out. Quote it. Memorize it. Read it. You say, I feel like I'm battling all kinds of spirits. Get that word of God out. Read it. Memorize it. Put your head into it. Read it all day long if you got to, till that spirit lifts. Because the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. And if God's love, and he said in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and you begin to make the connections. This is, this. if I get this word in my heart, it's going to bring peace to my mind. It's going to help wash my mind. And one more thing, the word of God is a form of meat. Now, I like meat. Amen. If I eat a meal that doesn't have meat, I feel like we're just snacking. If, if, it's, a, if it's a meal and there's, I'm looking at it, I'm saying, and my indeed learned this. <laughs> there's pasta and there's sauce and there's tomatoes. But where's the meat? Why are we doing this? Why are we playing these games? If if I, if all I'm eating is a salad for dinner, and I got the I got the, the head of lettuce in there, and broken up obviously, and and the and the uh, the the ranch dressing, the cheese, and the tomatoes, and and whatever else it is you put in there, the the fresh cut mushrooms, and there's no chicken or there's no steak, we're just having an appetizer. There was a let's eat. And as Christians, we've got to have, whether you are vegetarian or a carnivore or whatever you category you're in, a vegan, there's, there's got to be a point in your life where you say, you know, I'm going to get something deeper than just the shallow feel good, I trust in the Lord stuff. Amen. There's got to be some times you say, God, help me to get some meat. Yes. Help me to get some stuff. And sometimes meat is hard to digest. You ever chew up a big piece of meat more than your eyes bigger than your stomach and you're chewing that and 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 uh, you're like having to work on it and it's you're having to break it down. You're, you're almost gagging because you got so much meat. I've done that. I'm a carnivore. Sometimes it's hard to digest and you got to drink it down with some milk or some some soda or some some Camarina sweet tea. <laughs> and, and it helps. But the word of God, there's going to be times you you. A preaching or a teaching comes across the pulpit, or you or you get the word of God out, and you're, and you're like, man, that's hard to digest. You mean I gotta pray every day? You mean I, I gotta do X, Y, and Z? But that meat will help to produce some strength, some some protein, if you will, some spiritual protein to build some muscle. Hebrews five and thirteen. Through 14 says, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. 
Strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. There's going to be times you're going to reveal your spiritual maturity. There's going to be times that the preaching or teaching goes forth. Maybe Brother Walmer's behind the pulpit and he's teaching, he's saying something, and you don't like it. But as one of my friends so harshly told his uh, one of his love pursuits, swallow it. You just gotta swallow your pride. He, he one of my friends, he was a hard, he was kind of harsh. He he uh, had a girlfriend and he said, "You got feelings for me." He said, yeah, I have feelings for you. He said, swallow them. So that guy's a that guy was a jerk. But sometimes we gotta swallow our pride and, and we gotta take that that word that word of God. And we've got to digest it. We've got to say, you know what? That's what I need. That's what I need to hear. And the word of God, there's so many different ways we can describe God's word. But it has reproductive powers. The word of God can reproduce things in your life. For Luke chapter 8 and verse number 11 says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. There's going to be some things that God wants to just deposit to your spirit. And you may read a scripture. Uh, you may read a scripture and not understand it initially, but you begin to die, you begin to work on it. You begin to meditate upon it. You begin to concentrate and focus upon it. Say, God, what does that scripture mean? And that seed, you begin to pray over it. You begin to read it and study on it. And that seed begins to sprout up in your life. And it will produce something. Such as a scripture, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I never understood that as a kid. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, I want to receive. I want to get some. I want some blessings. I, I, I want you to give me something. But that was a seed that God gave me. And I had to think about it. It took me years to finally get it. That seed had to germinate, had to produce something. And finally, I began to realize it is more blessed to give than to receive. Because if you're able to give, if you can give, that means you have something to give. You have something that God's given you. When we come to God, many of us, for the first time, we have nothing. And preacher says, pay your tithe. You're like, I'm on limited income, pastor. And you say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give. I'm going to give a tithe. I'm going to give an offering. And you begin to find out, and I love giving. I count it an honor to give a $10,000 tithe if I can. I count it an honor to one day, and me and Brother Paul talked about this, one day we want to be able to give a $100,000 tithe. I would love to give a $100,000 tithe. Yeah. Amen. Because that means I got a million bucks that I just got paid. Amen. That's beautiful. Some people say, well, I don't want to give... My $10 tithe on my 100 bucks. Well, stay with your 100 bucks then, bud. Stay with your 100 bucks all your life. God's never going to elevate you to the next level because you haven't learned with something small. And it is more blessed to give than to receive. Sometimes the word of God, as Jeremiah 23 and 29 says, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? The word of God is like a hammer. And Brother Walmer swung that hammer for week after week about prayer. Week after week, that swinging that hammer about prayer. 
and saying, we've got to pray. Here's how to pray. You've got to pray. We've got to pray. Let's all pray. And hit it on prayer, on prayer, on prayer. And the word of God, it, it is like a hammer that if you keep swinging that word of God, eventually it's going to break the mold of our carnal mentality and allow for God to break into our lives and allow some great things to happen in our lives. And so we come to church Wednesday after Wednesday, Sunday after Sunday, and the Word of God goes forth, and it doesn't feel good all the time, and it sometimes hurts and it's hard, but it's a hammer that breaks the rock, and the preacher swings the Word, and he swings that hammer, and eventually we say, okay, God, you can take my life, and God cracks open the hard heart of a sinner, of a reprobate, of a backslider, and God finds on the middle of that person a tender heart that says, God, I want to do your will. I received your word. I want to do the will of God. I want the will of God for my life. But he was a preacher that got the word out and swung that hammer time after time. And he said, you know what? It seems like the preacher's constantly preaching to me. He's constantly hitting me from the pulpit. Hey, if it hurts, just let that hammer hit you again until finally it cracks you open. And you say, God, just take all of me, God. I'm open, God. I want your will. I don't want my will. I want the will of God for my life. I want the word of God. Amen. If it has to hit me, I want it to hit me. And I want to receive what God has in store for my life. I want to receive everything that God has for my life. The word of God is a mirror. Many of us, if we were diligent, we got in the mirror before we came to church. And we took a good look at self. And we said, self, uh, you got one hair off here. Your necktie's crooked there. You need to flip up this collar here down. Uh, and you begin to look, make the little corrections to make that image. You saw the mirror, a perfect image. Amen. The word of God, we come. And we're the preacher preach. And it reminds us, you know what? I'm looking in the mirror. And I'm seeing some things that aren't right. I'm seeing that i got an attitude. I'm seeing that i got some serious flaws. And I've got to make some adjustments. But that word of God is the mirror. Amen. That, that shows us our imperfections. It also shows us how far we've come. And what God's done in our lives. Hallelujah. Why don't we lift our hands and worship Him for a few moments. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. That it is for my benefit. It is for my help. It is for instructing me, Lord. It's for reproving me. It's for correcting me. It's for a foundation in my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, I love you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. 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 
day will come, no doubt, amen, when I will probably deal with a rebellious child as she gets older. And she'll fight me. And I'm going to be so grateful for the day, amen, the Lord tarries, Brother Wong, you stand in the pulpit and begin preaching about children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother. And there's going to be things that, you know, I might swing that hammer and I'm, it might take me a few times to get that nail through that two by four. But Brother Walmer, he can just come and just go with one swipe, bam, and that nail goes all the way through. Because the word of God's like a hammer. And, and I, want, I want that word of God to be preached to my family. Because there's going to be times where my, my kids, just like I will listen to my dad sometimes. But another preacher come in and say the same thing my dad said. I said, oh yeah, I better do that. I got it. Yeah, he said it, and I need to do that. It's not just my dad, you know, going off on me, but it's 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 right. I need to hear that. And and I want that word of God to be preached to my family. I want the word of God to just be preached straight to my family. When I'm struggling with maybe a kid that's listening to worldly music, I want the preacher to get me out of the pulpit under the anointing and say, throughout the worldly music, throughout all the ungodliness, throughout all the corruption in your life, and let God work in your life. I want that word of God to be preached. I want it to go forth without fear and without favor, pulling no punches. I want that word of God to be preached because it is the preached word of God that will save me, that will save my family, that will help me get to heaven. And I want it preached. I want it preached. I want it preached. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell this church every once in a while, you want to haul up the preacher and say, preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach to me. Preach to me. Preach to me. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's going to be preaching that helps us, amen, to stay right with God. It's going to be preaching that comes, amen, hot and heavy, and God brings the word forth. And if we allow our hearts to be tender, and we fall under conviction, and God speaks to us, and we say, yes, God. I see the air of my way. I see the areas in my life. I see it, God. Help me to make. Amen. God's word doesn't need any additions. It doesn't need you to give your perspective. Amen. It doesn't need you to take away and say, well, if it was me, I'd take that scripture out. Amen. The word of God doesn't need you to correct it. Amen. It stands all by itself. And only your strict adherence and obedience to revealed and recorded truth is what's required of you and I. To say, God, if your word says it, then I believe it. And that settles it, God. I don't ever want to find myself in a church that doesn't preach from this holy Bible, that doesn't preach truth, that doesn't preach the word. Amen. If I move to some other city and the preacher walks in the pulpit without a Bible, I'm afraid. Amen. Because if he's not preaching what thus saith the word of the Lord, then what is he preaching? I want to hear the word of God preach. Come on. I want to hear the word of God preach. There is no error and there are no contradictions in the word of God. God's word is complete. Amen. There's no apocrypha amen, or, or other books that need to be added to the scripture. It is complete. It is eternal. And it is trustworthy. And you can place your souls 
salvation on the book, on the word of God. Your word says, God, the just shall live by faith. So I'm going to walk in faith, Lord. I'm going to walk in faith and obedience. Your word says, Lord, obedience is better than sacrifice. So God, above all else, I'm going to obey the word of God. I'm going to obey the word. I want that word of God preached. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Lord, in this place tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, your word brings light. Let your word illuminate our lives. Oh, God, let your word bring illumination. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The word of God teaches us that the wages of sin is death. So I want to do what I want to do. And I read something, heard something, study, that there is a high percentage of people in the homosexual community that their life ends in suicide. Their life ends in suicide. There's a high percentage of people that are given over to the homosexual lifestyle. That their lives end prematurely in suicide. The wage of sin is death. You read that in the scripture. But you begin to find somebody that's been given over to that lifestyle. My dad worked with a co-worker in the hair salon years ago. When he started out working there, his name was Jim. Jim was a nice guy. Always had a smile, cut good hair. A few years down the road, his name became Jamie. He became the female in the relationship with another man. His life didn't go on very much longer. A few years later, he, he died. I think it was AIDS. I know other people that, given over that lifestyle, they begin to hate themselves. But the word of God said, the wage of sin is death. Right. My mother is yeah. a... Uh, Medical coder didn't give me specific details, but said there's so much you see in uh, reports about people that come in from a homosexual lifestyle and all of the physical problems that they have in their bodies. All the physical problems. And eventually they hate themselves. My life is so full of pain, hurt, and regret, and shame. I'm just going to end it. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. This book, and I close with this, it is the book that reveals the mind of God. It is the book that reveals the state of man. It is the book that reveals the way of salvation. This book is the way that reveals the doom of sinners. This book is the way that reveals the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true and accurate. Its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. And practice it to be holy. The Bible contains light to direct you. It is food to support you. 
It is comfort to cheer you. It is a traveler's map. It is the pilgrim's staff. It is the pilot's compass as he looks out over the skies. It is the soldier's sword. And it is the Christian's character. Here in this book right here, heaven is open. Here in this book, heaven is open. The gates of hell are disclosed. Christ is its grand subject. And our good is its design. And the glory of God is its end. It should fill our memory, rule our hearts, guide our feet in righteousness and true holiness. We should read it slowly. We should read it frequently. We should read it prayerfully. We should read it meditatively. We should read it searchingly, devotionally, and we should study it constantly, perseveringly, and industriously. We should read it through and through until it becomes a part of us, until we begin to walk back in prayer and say, God, let this word get in my heart. Let it get in my soul. Let it help my mind. Let this word, God. The Bible, amen, we should read it till it becomes a part of us and generates a faith in us that will move mountains. The Bible is a mine of wealth. It is a source of health. And it is a world of pleasure. It is given to you in this life. And it will be opened at the judgment. And it will stand forever. It involved the highest responsibility by those who penned its words. And it, re- it will reward the least to the greatest of labor. And it will condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. This word has value. And we should make sure that our lives line up with this word of God. And we should make sure that as we go forward in, in the coming weeks, we say, preacher, preach it straight to me. Preacher, preach it straight to me. Don't hold back. Don't worry about my feelings. Don't worry about my, uh, how I grew up. Just preach it straight. We need to be a church that just loves to preach word of God. Just preach it to me, preacher. Just give me the word of God. Just tell me what thus saith the word of the Lord is. Just preach it. Just preach it. And my prayer before I started here tonight, as I said, God, I want you to give us a, a new love for this word. A new love for this word. Help us to go home and say, God, Help me to read my Bible. Help me to love this Bible. Help me to make sure that my life lines up with this Bible. Help me to, help me to look in this, in this mirror of the word. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet as we close tonight? Amen. I'd like us to just take a few moments before we're dismissed. I'd like us to just lift our hands. I'd like us just to talk to God. And you know what? You can be honest with the Lord. You can say, God, I haven't been so diligent with reading the Bible. I've gotten careless. But God, would you give me a love for your word again? Would you give me a love for your word again, God? God, would you help me to have a new desire to read your word, God? God, I want you, Lord, to help me today. God, I pray right now, Lord, you put your hand upon our church. I pray, Lord, right now you put your hand upon our church. I'm asking you, Lord, to move in this place tonight. I'm asking you, Lord, right now, Lord, to give our church a love for the Word of God. God, give us a fresh love for the Word of God. Let us hide your words in our hearts. Let us hide your word in our hearts, God. God, I pray, Lord, you would deposit in our 
our spirits tonight, God, a fresh desire, a brand new love that says, God, before I open up my phone to look at social media, I'm going to open my Bible to read the book, to read the Word of God. Come on, would you talk to him for a few moments here tonight? Come on, would you talk to him for a few moments here tonight?